Hello everyone and welcome. I'm your host, Joseph J. McAllister, welcoming you to another exciting edition of Midnight at the Cemetery, the show that delves into mysteries, UFOs, poltergeists, vampires, serial killers, psychic phenomenon, macabre history, and more. Tonight we're broadcasting live from Lake Elsinore Naval Academy, where we have beautiful lakeside views of boats and jet skis gliding across the water. So sit back and relax, dim the lanterns, Put the horses in the stable and make yourself a hot cup of apple cider, for we are going on a strange and delightful journey into the supernatural. Amy's Castle. No town would be complete without its own castle. Amy Elizabeth Semple McPherson, a celebrity radio preacher in Los Angeles in the early 20s and 30s, had a 4,400 square foot, five bedroom, six bathroom castle built on the side of the hill by Lake Elsinore in 1929. Amy was a Canadian Pentecostal evangelist born in 1890. She was the founder of the Foursquare Church. The name Foursquare represented the four main beliefs, Christ's transformative salvation, the role of baptism, divine healing, and the premillennial return of Jesus Christ. As a child, she wrote the newspaper questioning the taxpayer funding of the teaching of evolution. This started her lifelong anti-evolution crusade. McPherson became a supporter of Williams Jennings Bryan during the 1925 Scopes trial about the laws prohibiting the teaching of human evolution. Bryan and McPherson believed that Darwinism undermined morality, poisoning the minds of the children of the nation. While attending a revival meeting in 1907, McPherson met Robert James Semple, a Pentecostal missionary. She was so enraptured by the message that she converted to Pentecostalism, and after a short courtship, she married Semple. The couple moved to Chicago and joined William Durham's Full Gospel Assembly, where Durham instructed her in the practice of interpretation of tongues, basically translating what people there are compelled to speak in tongues are saying. Speaking in tongues is also known as glossolalia. Tongues can be earthly, Chinese, Mesopotamian, Babylonian, Egyptian, or heavenly tongues. Heavenly tongues are syllables that don't make up any known language. After embarking on an evangelistic tour of China, both Amy and Robert contracted malaria. Robert also contracted dysentery and later died in Hong Kong. Amy, however, recovered and gave birth to their daughter, Roberta Star Simple. On board a ship returning to the United States, she held religious services and classes. After her recuperation, Amy and her mother joined the Salvation Army. While in New York City, she met an accountant, Harold Stewart McPherson. They were married in 1912, moved to Providence, Rhode Island, and had a son, 
Ralph Potter Kennedy McPherson in 1913. During this time, McPherson felt that she denied her calling to go preach. She struggled with emotional distress and obsessive-compulsive disorder. In 1914, she became sick with appendicitis. McPherson later stated that after a failed operation, she heard a voice asking her to go preach. After accepting the voice's challenge, she said she was able to turn over in bed without pain. In 1915, her husband returned home and discovered that McPherson had left him and taken the children. He later received a note inviting him to join her in her evangelistic work. Harold followed her to bring her home, but changed his mind after seeing her preaching, and joined her in evangelism, setting up tents for revival meetings and preaching. They sold their house and lived out of their gospel car. Life on the road didn't agree with Harold, and in 1929 he was granted a divorce. In 1931, Amy married actor and musician David Hutton. Amy fell and fractured her skull and visited Europe to recover. When she returned, she found Hutton billing himself as Amy's man in a cabaret singing act and was frequently photographed with scantily clad women. The scandal was damaging the reputation of the Foursquare Gospel Church. Amy divorced Hutton in 1934. Amy was also a faith healer where people would come up on stage and be healed by a miracle. Her revival prayer meetings were so successful that they had to start renting larger and larger buildings. In 1918, she moved to Los Angeles and rented the Philharmonic Auditorium. Amy decided to stay in Los Angeles, which was a growing town and tourist destination. She found a construction firm that would work as she acquired funds to build a new church called Angeles Temple. The name came from the Angelus Bell, a Catholic prayer commemorating the birth of Jesus. Amy toured for seven years to raise 250000 for the new church, partially by selling temple seating. Enrollment grew to over 10000 and Angelus Temple was advertised as the largest Christian congregation in the world. According to church records, the temple received 40 million visitors within the first seven years and was one of the first megachurches in America. The church was innovative in that it was a worship place for all Christian faiths. The clergy and attendees consisted of Methodists, Baptists, the Salvation Army, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Adventists, Quakers, Roman Catholics, Mormons, and secular civic leaders, some of whom were featured as guest speakers. McPherson practiced speaking in tongues and faith healing in her services, where she could cure the sick through the laying of hands. Discarded medical fittings from faith healing services such as crutches and wheelchairs were displayed in the museum area. At McPherson's Angelus Temple, sermons consisted of a massive choir and orchestra that sat on either side of the stage. McPherson created elaborate religious plays that took place on a smaller stage behind the main stage. McPherson gave up to 22 sermons a week. McPherson condemned Hollywood films as the devil's workshop. Her revival events were so large that she was breaking event attendance records in American history. For one event, they had to call the National Guard to control crowds of over 30,000 people. McPherson began broadcasting on radio in the 1920s. In April 1922, she became the first woman to preach a sermon wirelessly. With the opening of the Foursquare, gospel-owned, KFSG in 1924, she became the second woman granted a broadcasting license by the Department of Commerce. 
Not everyone appreciated McPherson's new style of sermons. Female preachers were not well tolerated in her time. Her wild theatrical sermons were a bit too entertaining as local churches lost their parishioners in droves to her new church. Evangelist Robert P. Schuller published a pamphlet entitled McPhersonism, in which he called her ministry out of harmony with God's word. Kidnapping After disappearing in May 1926, she reappeared in Mexico five weeks later, stating that she had been held for ransom in a desert shack. Subsequent grand jury inquiries precipitated continued public interest. On May 18, 1926, McPherson disappeared while at a crowded Ocean Park beach in Santa Monica, California. Presuming she had drowned, searchers combed the area. Hundreds of divers searched the waters, and a few men drowned during the search. McPherson sightings were reported all around the country. The temple received calls and letters claiming knowledge of McPherson's whereabouts, including ransom demands. After weeks of the search, Mildred Kenny, Amy's mother, believed that her daughter was dead. As the temple was preparing a memorial service on June 23rd, Mildred received a phone call from Douglas, Arizona. McPherson was alive in Douglas Hospital where she was relaying her story to police. McPherson said while at the beach, she was approached by a couple who wanted her to pray over their sick child. After walking with them to their car, she was shoved inside. Cloth, laced with drugs, was held against her face, causing her to pass out. Eventually, she was moved to a shack in the Mexican desert. When her captures were away, McPherson escaped through a window and traveled through the desert for 11 to 13 hours, an estimated 20 miles, reaching a Mexican border town at around 1 a.m., collapsing near a house. Her return to Los Angeles was greeted by 30 to 50,000, a greater turnout than President Woodrow Wilson's visit in 1919. Los Angeles prosecutors had various theories as to why she disappeared, among them a publicity stunt, and finally contended that McPherson ran off with former employee Kenneth Ormison, staying with him at a California resort cottage he had rented. After leaving the cottage at the end of May, they traveled for three weeks and remained hidden. Around June 22nd, Ormison drove Amy to Mexico, dropping her off three miles outside Agua Praida, where she walked the remaining distance. McPherson consistently maintained her kidnapping story, and witnesses collaborated her assertions. Much of the evidence asserted against McPherson came from reporters who passed it on to police. The bulk of the investigation against McPherson was funded by a Los Angeles newspaper at an estimated $500,000. The story became a media sensation while prosecutors passed new developments to press and Amy used her radio station to broadcast her side of the story. The trial was set for January 1927, charging McPherson, her mother Mildred, and defendants with criminal conspiracy, perjury, and obstruction of justice. If convicted, McPherson faced a maximum prison time of 42 years. However, the prosecution's case developed credibility issues. Witnesses changed testimony and evidence often and appeared to have suspicious origins. On January 22nd, Ormison identified another woman as the companion that he stayed with at the cottage. 
All charges against McPherson and associated parties were dropped due to lack of evidence. However, months of unfavorable news and reports created unshakable damage to McPherson's reputation. Allegations of affairs directed at McPherson started during the 1926 kidnapping trial. Suspected lovers generally denied involvement. Alarmed by her style of dress and involvement with Hollywood, a Temple official hired detectives to shatter her in 1929. The detectives found no evidence of affairs. Due to allegations, McPherson surrounded herself with chaperones to be witnesses against further allegations. After the trial, newspapers set out to defame her by publishing drama from her personal life. In 1927, McPherson set out on a vindication tour, taking advantage of the publicity from her kidnapping story to preach. She even visited nightclubs and speakeasies where she addressed crowds. Newspapers reported rumors that implied she was drinking, smoking, and dancing. Problems with Mildred Amy's mother, Mildred Kenny, did not agree with McPherson's strategy for tearing down barriers between secular and religious. In 1927, Kenny left the temple along with other church members, including 300 members of the choir. Attempting to curtail her daughter's influence, Mildred initiated a staff member conference to vote against McPherson, but lost. Amy's mother had been her manager from the beginning and launched her career. But since the kidnapping, the two were not getting along. Amy recently lost weight, changed her clothing style, cut and bleached her hair to resemble a young, roaring 20s starlet, and began associating with a Hollywood crowd, which displeased her mother. A series of managers replaced Mildred as the temple became involved in various unsuccessful projects as building a hotel, cemetery plots, land sales, and plummeted into debt. In response, Mildred returned in 1929, but resigned again in 1930. The following month, McPherson suffered a physical and nervous breakdown. For 10 months, she was absent from the pulpit, diagnosed with acute acidosis. When McPherson returned to the pulpit, she quickly broke attendance records with crowds of 40,000 revitalizing her career. McPherson's efforts towards an interracial revival continued. She welcomed African-American people into the congregation and pulpit. While race riots burned Detroit in 1943, McPherson publicly converted the African-American former heavyweight champion Jack Johnson on the temple stage and embraced him. Although Charlie Chaplin was not religious, he secretly attended her services and she later consulted him on ways to improve her presentation. Death Amy sold her castle in 1939 after 10 years to return to a life of roadside tent revivals. She complained of being lonely at her luxurious house. In 1944, McPherson went to Oakland, California for a series of revivals planning to preach her popular Story of My Life sermon. When McPherson's son went to her hotel room at 10 the next morning, he found her unconscious with pills and a half-empty bottle of capsules nearby. McPherson was dead by 11.15. It was later discovered that she had called her doctor in the morning complaining of feeling ill from the medicine, but he was in surgery at the time. She then phoned another doctor who referred her to yet another physician. 
However, McPherson lost consciousness before the third could be contacted. The autopsy did not conclusively determine the cause of McPherson's death. She had been taking sleeping pills following numerous health problems. Among the pills found in her hotel room was the barbiturate secondol, a strong sedative which had not been prescribed to her. It was unknown how she obtained them. The coroner said she most likely died of an accidental overdose compounded by kidney failure. The cause of death was listed as unknown. Forty-five thousand people waited in long lines, some until 2 a.m., to file past Amy's casket, whose body lay in state for three days at the temple. It later took 11 trucks to transport the $50,000 worth of flowers to the cemetery. An observer, Marcus Bach, wrote, A thousand ministers of the Foursquare Gospel paid their tearful tribute. Curious stood by impressed. The poor who had been fed at Angelus Temple were there, the lost who had been spirit-filled, the healed, the faithful. Here they were eager to immortalize the Ontario farm girl who loved the Lord. Millions of dollars passed through McPherson's hands. However, when her personal estate was calculated, it amounted to $10,000. McPherson is buried in Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery in Glendale, California. Following her death, the Foursquare Gospel Church denomination was led for 44 years by her son, Ralph McPherson, and is still in service today. Tune in to our next episode where we talk more about the history and the paranormal activity of Lake Elsinore. I'd like to thank Wikipedia and its contributors for information that went into tonight's episode. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Midnight at the Cemetery. And remember to hit that subscribe button so we know we're not preaching to an empty burial ground. Until next time, this is your host, Joseph J. McAllister, reminding you, try to enjoy the light. Music featured on today's show is Dance of the U-Boats by Akash Gandhi and Belissimo by Doug Maxwell. Maxwell.